0: This is Dr. David Howard and his teaching on Joshua through Ruth. This is session number two, Introduction to Joshua, part two, Themes and Theology. I want to talk now about uh, the purpose of the book of Joshua. Why was it written? And uh, what I would see is the overarching theme in the book and then some uh, subsidiary themes that go, go through. So we'll be th- thinking more about the, uh, the theology of the book. And uh, so in terms of the purpose, why was the book written? Uh, in one level it was written, uh, or in general, it was uh, written to provide uh, an interpretive history and that's significant An in interpretive history, uh, one slice of Israel's life as a people. Um, it's not written just as history for history's sake. Um, there are a lot of gaps in the life of Israel in the time of Joshua. There's some things that we'd love to know that we don't. There's kind of summarizing statements and they don't, we don't learn about what God did to every part of the Canaanite territory and the land and the cities. Uh, So it's giving us through the lens, certain lens, and um, more specifically it it refers to the period under Joshua when Israel is entering and settling in the land and it's the land that had been promised centuries earlier to Abraham and his descendants. So a big feature in the book is the idea of the the promises being fulfilled here. Uh, And throughout it's always God is the one that's in control of the events. So again, as we said in the first segment, uh, often we think of the book as just these battles and conflict between Israelites and Canaanites, but really we should see it through the lens of God as the one that is directing, controlling, and overseeing uh, what is happening here. There's dramatic miracles uh, in the book, for sure. And uh, God has given credit for all of the, the victories in, in the book. So uh, I've written on the board. What I would see is the major theme. Uh, in the book. And it is God's giving the promised land of Canaan to his people Israel as an inheritance. And I want to explain every part of this uh, sentence because every part of the sentence is derived from the nitty gritties of portions of the, of the text itself kind of bubbling up into this. So I'm not I've not written this as kind of imposing from the top down, but this is developed organically from clues in the text. So let me say something about that. First of all, uh, I've put God's name here because I would see God as the major actor, major character, major protagonist in the book, not Joshua or any other human character. God's the one that's doing everything in the book, essentially. And... uh, It's his gift of the land. Uh, When I first began teaching in my career, I would often try to get students to, I still do try to get students to think of every book in the Bible essentially, but in the Old Testament, my field, uh, to think maybe one word to characterize each book. Genesis, maybe beginnings or something. And Joshua, the word that usually came to mind was the land. Um, And, thinking of the land as the the focus of a place to settle. Uh, But, and that's true in the book of Joshua, but it is also true that the land is seen as a gift from God's hand. And we'll see that as we go through the next segments in the book, it's God's giving of the land and it's the land that was promised. Notice that I have not capitalized promised land. We often see that capitalized as sort of a title to a country But it's really giving of the land that was promised uh, years ago, way back when, to Abraham. We'll look uh, in another segment about those promises. So the book is about fulfilling promises. And whose promises? They're God's promises. So it brings us back to God as the main actor. And, of course, it is the land. That's the focus of conquering the land and then uh, settling in the land. But which land is it? It's the land of Canaan. And we sort of know that, it's pretty obvious, but I include that in my statement to remind myself that uh, God did not change his mind in the interim. God promised Abraham the land hundreds of years earlier, and despite conflicts and so on, God didn't say, you know, change my mind, Let's, why don't I give you the land of Ethiopia or Moab? Uh, no, it's the same land, and he, pro- he followed through on that promise to give him that land. Who did he give it to? Uh, to the Israelites, of course. Who were the Israelites? Uh, they were God's people. So this emphasizes the relationship that we see over and over again in the Old Testament. I would see, uh, we, we, we often have, we think of sometimes what I would call false stereotypes, or false dichotomies between the Testaments. And again, I learned through godly mentors and teachers and pastors some of these dichotomies, and one was that the Old Testament God was a God of wrath, New Testament God of love, and uh, there was rules and regulations and laws here. There was relationship here, and so on. Uh, and there's reasons why people taught that and, and still think that today. But I would say that there's there also they're really false dichotomies. And there's, the Old Testament God is a God of relationship. He is the one that loved his people. And so that's why I include this here uh, to make sure that I understand that uh, it's the God who is loving his people, fulfilling promises. And what was he doing this for? Uh, it was as their inheritance. There's uh, diff- several different words for inheritance um, in the book, and they're all focused on uh, this is a gift from God, and Israel is receiving this as their inheritance. As a matter of fact, one thing I do in my classes, you could try this, uh, as an exercise uh, on your own, as an instructive exercise, uh, I require my classes to read the entire book of Joshua at one sitting, then to write an outline of the book, and in, the, in, the, in terms of two levels, the major level, you know, five, six, eight chapters long, then the second level, one chapter a apiece through the, through the book, and I require them to use the word inheritance or the verb inherit or inherits or inheriting. In every point of the outline, and that 's easy to do in the chapters that talk about the distribution of the land chapters twelve to twenty one um, or thirteen to twenty one but it 's a little more difficult for in the earlier chapters and but my point is that we think about not the events unfolding, but we think if we think about years later the author of the book, what is the author trying to do, and the author's trying to talk about this land as an inheritance from God. And so even the early chapters looking ahead, the preparation, what I would call the preparations for inheriting the land, chapters one to five, and um, getting ready to cross the Jordan, uh, purifying themselves, memorializing things and so on. All of that's preparation for this inheriting the land. So uh, we can talk about the topic of chapter one or chapter two or chapter three on their own terms, but in terms of the overall sweep of the book, if uh, this is a valid point that we've gotten from the, from the ground up, then every part of the book should be, should be able to point to that and uh, see that as part of the overall sweep. So this would be my statement of what I see as the overall sweep of the book. Uh, every part of the book would f- play into this in some way. Uh, there's different ways of saying it. I'm not saying this is the only way, but in my own study, this is what I've arrived at uh, at this point. Next, we'll look at what I see as some of the themes. Sort of underneath uh, this overall overarching theme or we might call this the theology of the book of Joshua. And I would see uh, seven major strands, seven major themes in the book. Uh, Some are are more important than others. Uh, We will develop these as we go through the different segments. But uh, certainly the theme of the land, of the promised land, is important. That is featured over and over again. It's promised to Abraham years ago. It's reiterated through the generations, and now they're finally finally getting it. And uh, then uh, a second theme is the theme of, of God's promises. So I've mentioned that already, and we'll kind of highlight that. There's... Referring back to the promises to Abraham, but also to Moses, and then even within the book itself. God promised this, and then it happened. Uh, so, and fulfillment of promises is an interesting uh, little sub-theme as well. A third uh, would be the covenant. And the covenant that God made with Abraham, again, including the promises, but then also uh, the mosaic, the covenant God made through Moses, the, the, the law that God gave to the people and how people were to obey and to follow. Uh, that forms the, it's kind of in the background to the book of Joshua. It's not a major thing, but it's there. An interesting theme is, uh, fourth one would be uh, the theme of obedience. Um, think about the, the Israel through the time of Moses in the wilderness wanderings. Israel was, a, was to a large degree a very rebellious people. I would see the book of Numbers, for example, in the historical narrative sections where the storyline is being told. Uh, You see rebellions over and over again against the authority of Moses and Aaron and and against uh, God himself and Moses rebelling against God and and a lot of those things. So here in the book of Joshua, we we see uh, a much different picture. We see uh, a sense of we're trying to do things differently now. We're not going to try to repeat the errors of the past. And there's a sense of more uh, everybody on the same page, following the Lord. Now, that's not always the case. There's some significant exceptions there, but there is an important theme of obedience. God certainly urges obedience and the people for the most part follow it. Uh, a, f- a fifth um, theme I would see is the whole theme of the of purity of worship, the idea of holiness. And uh, the word holy itself is not used a whole lot of times in the book, but the idea is there, The idea. Basically, the idea of holiness in the Old Testament is the idea of separation out and away from that which is evil, that which is unclean, that which is unholy. And Israel is to keep separation from the ark at the beginning, from the Canaanites themselves. And included in this is the is the discussion about the destruction of the Canaanites that we will talk about in another segment. But that idea of purity of worship, um, that Israel is to to grow up in a new place, practicing their worship of the Lord uh, in, a, in a right way is an important part of the of the book. A sixth point I would see, uh, sixth theme would be the theme of godly leadership. Uh, Joshua himself is given charge as a leader. He is for the most part in the books pr- uh, pictured as, a, as an ideal leader with, with very few missteps. And uh, we learned some good lessons about leadership uh, there, and finally, uh, the theme of rest. Uh, we have the idea of the land having rest, and part of the gift of God, the promises, <coughs> excuse me, are um, the people are to rest and the land is to rest. So in a sense, uh, if we think about the uh, the flow of the Pentateuch, we'll talk about this in another segment about the, the literary context, but the flow of the Pentateuch looks ahead toward entering and receiving the Promised Land, the, the Book of Joshua kind of looks back and says, we're here, and we're now, we're, this is not, not the fulfillment of all of this, we have, uh, we have rest. So that would be the, six major, or the seven major themes under the umbrella uh, statement of theme that I've given you uh, at this point. This is Dr. David Howard and his teaching on Joshua through Ruth. This is session number two, Introduction to Joshua, part two, Themes and Theology.